You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. Here's your host, Dr. Stephen Edelman, founder and director of Taking Control of Your Diabetes, clinical professor of medicine, Division of Endocrinology and Metabolism, University of California, San Diego, and San Diego Veterans Administration Healthcare System. Although the major physiologic function of the new GLP-1 agonists appear to be in relation to glucose and weight control, there is growing evidence to suggest that it may also play an important role in the cardiovascular system. Joining us to discuss this emerging cardiovascular action of incretin hormones is endocrinologist and professor of medicine at the University of North Carolina School of Medicine in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Dr. John Buse. Dr. Buse, welcome to ReachMD. Thanks a lot. Well, let's just start off by talking about the incretin system in general. It's a fairly new area in the area of endocrinology. And what, 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 give us a background on its role in normal health and in the disease state, specifically type 2 diabetes. You know, actually, the incretin system is an area that's been investigated for more than 30 years. Uh, it's really hit the forefront now because we have therapeutics that affect the system. Briefly, it's a family of gut-derived hormones that provide an additional layer of regulation to metabolism, and it affects very broad processes, which make it exciting and in some, you know, in some instances, it makes us think a bit about what the potential challenges might be. I, I think overall, you could think of it as a way for the GI tract to communicate with the brain about its status and its input uh, into meta- metabolic processes. What are some of the main physiologic functions of GLP-1 in humans? The features that have been best worked out, where there's clearly a role in you know, human metabolism is first, uh, it increases insulin secretion, but it does so in a glucose-dependent way, meaning that if the blood sugar is low and GLP-1 is high, let's say at the very beginning of the meal, uh, there's not uh, an increase in insulin secretion. Uh, but if the blood sugar is in the normal range or certainly slightly higher than normal, uh, it provides a very robust uh, um, uh, stimulus to, to insulin secretion. The second area is glucagon secretion. Uh, glucagon, as everyone knows, is sort of the anti-insulin hormone. Um, and as you would expect in these kinds of feedback loops, if it's increasing insulin, it would decrease glucagon secretion. Now, normally, glucagon secretion goes down in, uh, in uh, humans after a meal, for unclear reasons in uh, people with type 2 diabetes and even people with type 1 diabetes, glucagon levels go up. And GLP secretion um, seems to reduce uh, levels of glucagon. And uh, in, uh, you know, as a pharmacologic agent, this may have a major effect on postprandial glucose. We know that bieta or xenotide is, the only, uh, is the, currently the only GLP-1 uh, like compound on the market. Tell us uh, what else is being developed in this area. I know there's going to be a lot of new drugs coming out in the future. Exenatide was actually discovered in the saliva of the Gila monster. So it's a naturally occurring protein. It doesn't naturally occur in humans. It occurs in the Gila monster. It's uh, resistant to degradation and therefore a much more druggable compound than native human GLP-1, which has a half-life of only a couple of minutes. 
Um, so we call uh, exenatide a, a GLP-1 mimetic, meaning it's a mimic of GLP-1, though it's actually not GLP-1. It only has about 50% sequence homology. There's a bunch of uh, GLP-1 analogs where the human structure of GLP-1 has been modified uh, to make it resistant to degradation by the degrading enzyme DPP-4, uh, therefore providing for a long half-life in an agent that can be administered either uh, once a day uh, for a compound liraglutide that's being reviewed by the uh, FDA and uh, once a week for a compound like taspoglutide uh, that's currently in phase three trials. But there are many, many other agents in those families. Yeah, and we'll, we'll see which ones uh, make it through the FDA process. Well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Diabetes Discourse on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Steve Edelman, and I'm speaking with my good friend and colleague, Dr. John Buse. We are discussing the emerging cardiovascular actions of the incretin hormone glucagon-like peptide 1. Now, let's jump into that. We haven't hit it yet, but we, we gave a great background. What are some of the potential mechanisms of how these incretins may affect the cardiovascular space? And, and you might want to give a one-liner on where we are at the FDA and the whole diabetes armamentarium on cardiovascular effects of diabetes drugs. Well, the, the one-liner would be the FDA has sort of upped the ante about cardiovascular safety of diabetes drugs Largely, I think, in response to uh, um, some of the members of the thiazoldinedione or glitazone class of drugs, one agent which was nearly approved by the FDA, I mean, went to the FDA advisory panel, and then there was a concern raised about its cardiovascular safety. And the second was the issue with uh, rosiglitazone or Avandia, where in a meta-analysis it was suggested that there were cardiovascular risks, but very recently published uh, record study uh, suggests that there really are no cardiovascular harms uh, for rosiglitazone other than the fluid retention, which can promote heart failure. Tell us about some of the exciting data with these incretins. The clear effect of these GLP-1 analogs and mimetics um, is that they do seem to improve cardiovascular risk factors. With exenatide, that effect was demonstrated as being in parallel with the weight loss, something that you would expect if people lost substantial weight. Uh, with the long-acting formulation of exenatide, a once-a-week formulation that's being reviewed by the FDA, and with liraglutide, the new GLP-1 analog that's a once-a-day compound, there seem to be more direct uh, cardiovascular risk factor effects, particularly on blood pressure uh, and uh, modest effects on lipids. So that's, you know, pretty much clear uh, from, uh, from the currently available data. Then there are interesting animal studies and very limited human studies that suggest that there may be a direct effect of GLP-1 and its metabolites uh, on cardiovascular function, on endothelial function, on cardiac function, and, and even on recovery from in injury exactly the mechanism by which those occur and whether they're really important in, in human disease is less clear, though. Well, it sounds a little bit to me like the laundry list that uh, was touted with the insulin sensitizers, you know, Pio and Rosie, uh, that, you know, between uh, blood pressure, dyslipidemia, endothelial dysfunction, anticoagulable state, things like that. However, we never really saw a large reduction. But I think um, at least... Uh, the weight loss 
uh, in and of itself we know is good and has cardiovascular benefits. How do they separate out the difference, John, between what's due to weight loss versus what's not due to weight loss? Well, the the way they've done things so far with regards to the cardiovascular risk factors is look at the effects in people who lose weight versus those who don't lose weight. And the other way, or the other real hint that there's a direct effect is that many of the, well, particularly the blood pressure effect, but other effects as well, seem to emerge faster than the weight loss does. That's a little bit of a less clear of a signal because, as you know, you know, caloric restriction the first few days uh, may have no effect uh, on on weight in the first few days, but uh, can have effects on, on blood pressure and lipids. Great. Uh, tell us the main differences, as you see them briefly, between these GLP-1-like compounds and the what we call incretin enhancers or DPP-4 inhibitors, because as you mentioned earlier, um, these are oral medications that sort of maintain the endogenous levels of GLP-1 and other incretins compared to raising to more pharmacologic levels with injections of these other agents. So uh, how do you see the differences in, in clinical benefits uh, and also possibly cardiovascular benefits? Yeah, well, the, the major advantage of the DPP-4 inhibitors are, first, as you mentioned, they're oral, um, and second, because they cause a much lesser increase in GLP-1 levels uh, and, and GIP levels, uh, they are not associated with nausea or significant uh, side effects. So, in general, they're better tolerated. So, those would be the two major major advantages. Uh, the major disadvantage um, is that perhaps because the GLP-1 levels that are achieved are much lower, they're not associated with weight loss. And and really, you know, for the incretin class, I mean, it's, it's weight loss that has distinguished that class from essentially all other classes of anti-diabetic medications. But with regards to cardiovascular disease um, issues, you know, there is a little bit more uncertainty with the DPP-4 inhibitors because there's some evidence that some of the cardiovascular benefits that have been demonstrated in animal models um, are really related to the degradation fragment of GLP-1. So it's not the whole molecule, but the thing that's liberated when the GLP-1 molecule is cleaved by DPP-4. Therefore, it's possible that the DPP-4 inhibitors wouldn't show the same cardiovascular benefit because you might have lower levels of the fragment. It is very interesting. Well, that leads us to really our last question. What, what kind of clinical studies are on the horizon for these new class of compounds? I don't know of any study that's been started yet uh, aimed at preventing diabetes with this class, but there's a great deal of excitement around that because these incretin hormones seem to also increase the rate of new islet formation and reduce the rate of islet loss in, in, uh, in animal models. And very clearly, these agents can prevent diabetes in animals. But with regards to the cardiovascular space, um, there's a study called TECOS, T-E-C-O-S. It's a study using citagliptin, one of the DPP-4 inhibitors, looking at cardiovascular outcomes. Very large trial, over 10,000 patients um, that's, uh, that's just started in the recruitment phase in the last a couple of months. It's a worldwide trial. Um, and then there are planned trials uh, with uh, the long-acting form of exenatide, um, and there are uh, trials uh, that are planned as well with uh, taspaglutide uh, looking at cardiovascular endpoints. So this is likely to be sort of a, a 
pretty much a routine step for any newly developed diabetes drugs that that uh, cardiovascular outcome studies will be you know required either uh, after uh, after approval or as a precondition for approval in some cases. Yeah, and it sounds like with all the new DPP4s coming on the market and the GLP-1 analogs, there should be a plethora of new data uh, coming out. So when we have you back uh, next year, I'm sure we'll have more to report. Well, I'd like to thank our guest, endocrinologist and professor of medicine from the University of North Carolina School of Medicine in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Dr. John Buse. Dr. Buse, thanks so much for spending time with us on Diabetes Discourse. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. To learn more about diabetes and the role of GLP-1, visit novomedlink.com forward slash DIA. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download the segment, visit us at reachmd.com. What are you reading? I'm reading about something called GLP-1. Is it a robot? No. (laughs) GLP-1 is a natural hormone that helps regulate glucose metabolism. Its multiple actions are critical to glucose control. Huh? Uh, Okay. Well, GLP-1 works in a glucose-dependent manner. It stimulates the beta cells in your pancreas to secrete insulin and inhibit the liver from releasing excessive glucose by reducing glucagon secretion from alpha cells. It also helps regulate food ingestion by slowing gastric emptying in your stomach here (laughs) and making you feel full. Like at Thanksgiving? Yes. Um, I don't get it. Is it important? Well, GLP-1 is important because it impacts the multiple systems affected by diabetes. It also plays a significant role in protecting beta cells, a key to slowing diabetes progression. Unfortunately, many people with type 2 diabetes have impaired GLP-1 secretion and impaired beta cell response to GLP-1. Like Grandpa? Yes, and like many of my type 2 diabetes patients. That's why I want to make sure I'm looking at the whole picture in diabetes. Sustained control of A1C is important, but we can't stop there. It's important to look at weight, cardiovascular risk, and beta cell dysfunction. Impaired GLP-1 physiology is also a part of the problem, and the multiple actions of GLP-1 throughout the body are critical. So, the GLP-1 robot will help you see the whole picture. (laughs) Yes, I guess in a way it will. Novo Nordisk is a world leader in diabetes care and is dedicated to ongoing research. To learn more about GLP-1 and the role it plays in diabetes, please visit novomedlink.com slash DIA.